0: Hey, thanks, Joe. Thank you so much. Hey, good morning, everyone. Excuse me. Uh, My name is Mike Sandusky. I am the lead pastor here at Living Hope Church, and it is so good to see you guys this morning. Glad that you're here. Uh, Today, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Luke 14 together, but I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Uh, We've been working through a series in Galatians, and last week, as I, as I preached, it was talking about the passage was talking about walking by the Spirit or, uh, and not gratifying the desires of the flesh and, and, or walking by the flesh and, and really not pleasing God because we, we live according to our, our own personal uh, physical uh, desires and attributes or desires and, and desires. And, and, uh, and as I was working on that sermon, I, just, I actually felt um, like God had put a few chapters of the Bible on my heart. And one of those was uh, Romans 8, which we, we read through last week and talked about. And and really, I've I've lately I've I've been feeling this challenge and this this stirring from God um, to try to. (laughs) <laughs> excuse me, in the sermons, uh, not just preach the word of God, but equip you uh, with the word of God, right? Okay, so, so uh, today uh, we are gonna be doing something very similar to what we did last week, and, uh, and that is we're just gonna open the Bible and we're gonna read and I'm gonna break it down as we go and we're gonna talk about it. And, uh, and today our passage, I feel like God has specifically laid some things on my heart and uh, it's a very interesting passage, it's a weighty passage, it's a very challenging passage. Passage, but it's a challenging passage with a call. It's a challenging passage that reveals what Jesus is looking for in His disciples, uh, which is who we are calling ourselves to be. And, and often what I find is when we, we come to the Bible and we find places uh, where we're greatly challenged by what the Bible says, uh, you know, it, it's, it, we can feel tempted to say, well, it's not really saying that. Or we can feel tempted to, to sort of say, well, this, this part doesn't apply to me. Or we can just ignore it, uh, which is maybe the most common thing, where we just kind of go about our, our day and our lives. And, uh, and, and so this morning, I do believe God wants to challenge us. But I think more than that, God wants to call us uh, into a uh, a, a, a true uh, and and somewhat radical. I mean, this is the thing about Jesus. He wants to call you into a truer life. He wants to call you into uh, what is a more radical life. Right? You cannot read the Gospels of Jesus and come away with anything other than uh, this. This God man, uh, this Jesus, uh, is incredibly radical by your and I standards, by the world's standards. And so today we're going to see some of that. And and we don't really want to be a people who soften the sharp edges of Jesus, but rather uh, a people who allow. Allow the word of God to cut us, even when it's a little bit painful, uh, and to know that God, uh, it prunes us and God shapes us and God. Uh really refines us by fire uh, through his word into glory, into Christlikeness, into what is real life and real joy. Uh, sometimes as we, we encounter the word and we encounter hard things or, or we go faithfully in life with God, it, it can be very, uh, it can feel painful. It can feel uh, like there's some suffering happening or there's some trials happening. First of all, the Bible says, hey, that's gonna happen. But I want you to know that uh, through those trials, God does gloriously good in your heart. Uh, and on the other side of trials, walked out faithfully uh, and, and obedience walked out faithfully is, is joy and life and life abundant. What you begin to find is, is the things that seemed really radical uh, at first glance when we weren't doing them, suddenly you're like, how could I do anything else? Uh, and my heart for you today is that as we read Luke 14, that you would you would move this way, uh, that God would speak to us. Uh, I'll pray for us here before I read the passage um, but that my heart would be that you would hear what the word says. You would hear what Jesus says. That God would speak to you. That today He is going to do some cutting work. But He does cutting work like a surgeon. Uh, you know, you think about that. If you if you got darkness or cancer in you, you know, uh, like a surgeon has to go in and cut that out, and it's painful, and uh, and yet it leads to life, and uh, it gets rid of death. And today, uh, as we read the word of God, it's going to be like that. It's going to cut us a little bit today, but hopefully cutting out sin, hopefully cutting out the flesh, uh, and leading us to be a people who walk by the Spirit, because the way Jesus talks today, it, it, he directs us to be his people, his kind of people, um, and, uh, and probably there are some radical shifts in your life that Jesus is calling you to, and, uh, uh, and you, uh, he, wants, he wants you to walk with him into these things. So let me pray for us, and then we'll read. We'll just begin reading. We're going to work through this passage. Um, Heavenly Father, I ask that you would just bless us this morning. Lord, let your word shine through as I read it this morning. Uh, Father, I just, I pray that, 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 that you would just soften hearts, open hearts, um, Lord, as you come in to, to do some work in our lives, I pray for real power, that, that Jesus, you would make us more like you, that you would make us a people uh, who go where you call us to go and who do what you call us to do, even though we feel unsure, even though we feel unequipped, even though we feel scared or fearful or worried that we'll fail or look bad, uh, or we just will be you know, we won't feel like we're in control. Lord, I pray you would still send us and that you would shape us and forge us into your people. Lord, the world around us is dying. There's so many places in our city where where Christians are not going. There's so many places in our city where your word is not being preached. Uh, And Lord, too long have we sat back and just listened to the word and not done what it tells us to do uh, in so many ways. Uh, We may personally apply the word, but often, Lord, you're calling us to go places that we're not going. Lord, I pray this morning you would stir us, and Lord, I pray you would have your way in this church, that your word would be preached, that your truth, uh, Lord, would shine through, and uh, Father, that you would take this church into your hands and accomplish your purposes. The reality is your kingdom is coming. Your will is going to be done, Lord, regardless of what uh, we do in this room. But God, I pray we would say yes to you and we would go with you into the dark places. We would go with you to the places you're calling Christians to go. And God, we would see your kingdom on display in a way uh, that we would not see otherwise. Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. All right, again, so part of what I'm, I'm trying to do here is I just, I want you guys to think about this. Like, uh, I had this encounter with a young man uh, who's in jail recently where uh, I've been working through the Bible with him, and uh, as I worked through the Bible with him uh, a couple of weeks ago, I asked him, I said, hey, I go, uh, he had some really bad news on the legal side. Like, his, his, his future is not, it's, it's pretty heavy, and uh, he's a young guy, 18 years old, and and, uh, and I'm like, I asked him how his faith was doing, and, and he said to me, you know, it's actually, it's really hard. Things are really hard, but I think my faith is stronger than ever. And, and I said, well, I said, what have you been doing? And he goes, well, I've been reading my Bible with my, my cellmate. And, and I said, well, what have you been reading? And, and he said, well, I've read through the things you've read with me, and I've talked about the things you've talked about with me. And I felt greatly convicted. One, I felt overjoyed uh, that, that he's saying this. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. But then I felt convicted at how difficult I have made discipleship. I felt, I felt convicted about the fact that I've spent the last you know, 15 years of my life pastoring in the church and feeling like I struggled to get Christians who have heard a thousand sermons to go tell people about what they've already heard. And yet this young man is faithfully moving. And it reminded me actually a lot of this, this, this parable we're going to talk about today. Uh, now the good news is Jesus is going to offer you an invitation and offer you a call this morning. Uh, but the, the hard news is there's going to be some cutting that's going to happen today, I believe, in all of us. And, and I'm exper- I want you to know I'm experiencing this with you. I am greatly convicted uh, because I believe that I, uh, you know, I, have, I have not exactly done what Jesus has told me to do in regards to making disciples in our culture and going to the places God's calling me to go. Uh, and so we're gonna, we're gonna see that today. But as I read this, think about this. Like, this is, this is this, it's simple. You just read the Bible and you talk about the Bible. And, and, and you can do this. And there are, there are chapters of the Bible that you could do what I'm gonna do with this morning. And I would encourage you to think, who can I do this with? Who can I, where can I go? Uh, and you might have a list of people you wanna go to uh, that say no. Uh, but then you need to say, who, who do I know? Where can I go where people will say yes to what Jesus is doing? Um, so let's read our passage and, and jump in this morning. All right, so uh, great title. Sorry, I, I'm up here having this real serious talk, and I have this title uh, for my sermon. And, and the reality is Jesus has dinner with some Pharisees, lawyers, and other fancy people. That is true. That is true. Uh, that's what this chapter is about. So let's. Here's what it says. It opens up here in Luke 14, and it says, "One Sabbath, okay." Right here, what's that? Let's get the context. One Sabbath. A Sabbath uh, was a Saturday for uh, the Jewish people, uh, and what this was, was it was a day where you did no work. It was a day where you rested and you worshiped God, Uh, and the the, the heart of the Sabbath was essentially to keep people from being workaholics, uh, right? We live in America, the land of the grind. Uh, We do not uh, rest because we want everything to be in our control. We want to grind and go for it. Back in this day, the Sabbath, you didn't do any, any work, and it wasn't meant to be a curse it wasn't meant to be a burden it was meant to be a blessing Um, and so one sabbath jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the pharisees wow okay that's pretty interesting right i don't know how much you know about jesus but jesus and the pharisees kind of historical rivalry right well what's it say Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, like a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he goes to his table and he sits down with him. That says something about who Jesus is, right? That says something about what kind of people we could be going and sitting at the table of maybe people that don't like us very much. It says he goes and he, he has dinner with them. They were watching him carefully. Right, we avoid these kind of people. Right, you think about this watching Jesus carefully. They were trying to trap him. I mean, so it's right. Immediately, if you're like, oh, this is a nice, look at these Pharisees. They're like, come on in, Jesus. We love you. No, they're inviting him in to sort of trap him, to question him. Right, it says, he was there at the house of the ruler of the Pharisees, and they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. Is an illness, a condition? And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees. Okay, let's stop right there. He's invited to this dinner, they're watching him carefully. Who is there, right? Let me, let me ask you, I don't know about you, but the courtroom setting is an intimidating setting. Judges and lawyers are intimidating people to be around, especially if they're after you. Now personally, By the grace of God, I've never had a lawyer after me. Uh, Some of you have had lawyers after you, right? That's one of the worst things that could happen uh, in, in, in a society like ours is you got lawyers after you. And here we have Jesus, the Lord of glory. He's been invited to dinner. They're watching him carefully. The religious leaders, people with societal power, people with great influence, people who were considered authorities in the church, and their lawyers are sitting there at table watching him carefully. And what does Jesus do? I love this guy. I love Jesus. He's so, I mean, if this doesn't inspire you and stir you. It says he responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And so they're they're ready to catch him. And he's like, I got one for you. I got one for you. Here's here's the guy who who needs healing. We're on the Sabbath. And he looks to the, the, the rulers of the religion and the law and the lawyers. And he says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath Or not, but they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. I want you to know here, this passage says a lot, right? That we've just, we've barely, like, I hope as we do what we're doing, last week and this week, what you begin to realize is how full the Word of God is. How how these six verses that we have just read contain so much uh, for us to to look at and, and be inspired by. This isn't just about cold study. This is about encountering the Lord of glory who comes and actually confounds, he's confounding the wisdom of this world. Right here, he's doing it. He's confounding the religious elite of this world, the Pharisees. He's confounding the lawyers and experts in the law of his day, right here and now. And he's doing it pretty effortlessly. And yet, at the same time, he's demonstrating the Lord of Glory's mercy and justice and love and power. He doesn't just ask a theological question. He moves in Holy Spirit power, and a man is healed through Jesus' boldness. And they could not reply, to these things. While he's sitting at the table, he, it transitions here, verse seven. Now he told a parable to those who were invited. All right, so there's a lot of fancy people at this party. right? Pharisees, lawyers, and fancy people. And he told a parable to those who were invited, when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person." And then you will begin with, the, with shame to take the lowest place. The place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. All right, so here you might be like, oh, that's, a, that's like a nice little moral lesson from Jesus. Guys, he's saying something way deeper than this. He's encountering this high class of people right in their heart. He's hitting them right in their heart. They were the educated. They were the wealthy. They were the powerful of their society. And they led with those things. All right, this isn't about some like, some like uh, practice or, uh, or custom that happens at dinner table, you know, like this isn't like you should overthink Thanksgiving in a couple of weeks and be like, oh, what's the most, I'm going to sit at the kids table, so the grandma tells me to come sit at the adults table, and I'm honored before all my family, right? Like, that, that, like, now, obviously, there's, there, that principle can apply, but what he's saying here is he, he literally says at the end, he says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted, and the idea here is he's going right for the heart uh, of, of these people, and I will tell you, you and I live in a culture of great pride. We live in a culture uh, of exalting yourself, right? You put your hustle out there. You put your life out there. We have social media where, you know, you put these things out, and it's just baked into our culture who we are, and I want you to know that Jesus wants to, he wants your heart, right? And, and, And when, and part of him wanting your heart is that he realizes there are things that have grown onto your heart that are not good, and he wants to go in and cut them out. And this is one of them, this process hurts. All right? He's saying this by the way, he's bold. Right? He's sitting at the table, he's not just talking about this to talk about it, he's pointing out something obvious in the room. I want you to hear this. Jesus will point out things obvious in your heart. He will point out things obvious in this room and he is, he is fearless. And yet, man he's so good because he, just, he heals a guy gentle and merciful, and then he sits and he calls out things boldly in the middle of the room. He wants to call out things boldly in your heart, and my prayer is that today, he would do this, right? He would do this. He goes on, he says, uh, he said also to the man who had invited him, who might at this point be regretting it a bit, uh, to be honest, uh, said to the man who invited him, the boldness of Jesus here, I love it. When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends, Which are who's in the room right now, uh, or your brothers, who are also probably in the room at this moment, or your relatives, who are also in the room, or rich neighbors, who are probably in the room right now, lest they invite you in return and be and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus is just giving, he's saying, hey, like, think about this. In your life, when you, when you create, you have, you have space in your life to spend with people. You have space in your life to invite people in. Who do you invite in? Do you invite people who have no one to invite them in? Do you look for people who, who are on the edges, who maybe they can't repay you, who maybe it would be awkward if they're at dinner with you? And here Jesus is, is encouraging us to think about this. He's going to get a little deeper on this idea. It says, when one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. He's like trying to get aligned with Jesus, like, yeah, you know what, you're right, blessed is everybody who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, it's like, oh no, uh, yeah, is a, this, this, this is one of the most, like Jesus is about to get into one of the most intense little mini sermons that he ever gets into. So he looks at the guy who says this, and he says, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Okay, let me set set the scene a bit here. He's sitting at the dinner table at a great banquet with all these guys. And he's saying, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. This man in this, in this parable is, represented, is representing God. Right? God has, has, has created a great banquet. He's created a great feast. Bread that came down from heaven, that's Jesus. And God is calling people, come, come, all who labor and are heavy laden. Isaiah 55, come, buy and eat without money and without price. God's inviting many in. He sent a servant to say to those who had been invited, right? you and I, we are the servants. So we send servants, the master has made the banquet, he sends servants to go make the invitation. This is the heart of what we're called to do is go make invitations. Uh, and so to say, hey, you gotta know who Jesus, hey, you need to come, to. hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the word of God. So he's calling us to go Make invitations, and to say to those who have been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Come, Jesus has done the work on the cross. Come, God has a life for you beyond anything in this life. Come, hey, the the thing you think you're looking for in this world, listen, I know who's got it. His name is Jesus, right? And we're, we're called to go make this invitation. What happens? Verse 18, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it, please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them, please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring the poor, the crippled, and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. You hear that? Many invited who say, No, go to the desperate, go to the broken, the needy, those on the fringe. He says, It's been done. And they came, and yet there's still room. The God of the universe has come, and he's created a great banquet, a great feast, and people choose other things over him. You might be doing that right now. I want to, I mean, look at these excuses that are made. Like, there's a couple of things here. One, you want to know what your invitation is. You have two invitations here. One, you have an invitation into Jesus' great banquet right, which is going to cost you something to get into, to go to. You might have to lay down your life. In fact, the Bible says you need to lay down your life. That coming to Christ is not like a casual, like, uh, you know, it's not an insurance, like, add-on that you're like, okay, I've, I've got my life, and now I've got the heaven benefit that I've got from Jesus, so that when I die, I go to heaven, you know, just in case something happens, I got my heaven insurance. That's not Christianity. Christianity is I die to myself, and I give myself fully to Christ, So the first invitation is an invitation to wholeheartedly fully surrender to Jesus, right? And as we read this passage, you're gonna see he's not looking for half-hearted disciples. He's not looking for lukewarm disciples. He's not looking for cold disciples. He's looking for disciples who lay down their lives, who give their lives, who walk like him, right. And again, this sounds like suffering, it sounds like trial, it sounds like difficulty, but if you really believe and you walk by faith through that fire, through that, that, that crucifixion of the flesh, what you find is life and life abundant on the other side. What you find is the glory of the Lord in your life. What you find is the, the, the author of life shaping glory into you from one degree of glory to the next as you behold Jesus. That's what you find as you go with him. I mean, even these excuses... All right, so your first invitation, let me, let me get this clear. Your first invitation is to Jesus, and you can make these kinds of excuses, right? I don't know if you picked it up, but these excuses, they're not, they're not excuses that are, like, overtly evil, are they? Right? It's not like, oh, well, you know, I'm murdering people out here. Like, I'm not holy enough to go to that. No, 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 it's, 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 I bought a field. I got some business in my life to attend to. I got my job, keeps me pretty busy. You know, I can't come on Sunday. You know, I can't go to the Bible study. You know, like, like, and actually those are small things. Like, like, like the bigger thing is, are you working away your life while Jesus is inviting you in and you're saying no because you, you're, you're just, you're too busy. I'm too busy. One day I'll do that. Right now, I got business to attend to. I got, I just bought a field. I gotta go check it out. Uh, just, I'll I'll get there later, All right? Where, where's the priority in your life? The second one here, you know, I, I, I bought five yoke of oxen. Have you recently bought five yoke of oxen? I'm just kidding. Uh, but like this idea of you bought things, you've got things, you've got possessions, you've got land. Note this, right? The wealth, the prosperity here. This matches very closely with our culture. We got a lot of stuff, right? You may not be able to buy a house right now, but we still, we've got a lot of stuff. Uh, and if you have a house, you got a lot of stuff. If you're in here and you're, you own a house, like you are extremely wealthy historically, uh, just so you know, Right? And I find that often the stuff we accumulate, for most Americans, as I do discipleship, their lives are sort of centered around work, and, and I don't, Jesus isn't calling you to like quit your job and like give away all your money, but he is saying uh, to quit building your own kingdom and to give your whole heart to him. All right, think about that, because it, it, it's, 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 a, it's a shift you need to know. Like not, uh, work is good, but work isn't life, right? And, and I think most of us, a lot of times, this is where, this is where we can be, where we're, we have all this stuff, and our life is so full of maintaining that stuff and acquiring more stuff, so we always have excuses, right? Well, I just, I work too much. I work too much. I don't have time uh, to read my Bible. I don't have time to make disciples, right? Who made you? Who created you? Ephesians 2 said God made you as his workmanship, with things for you to walk in, that he preordained, that he has given to you. He's got a a life for you and a call for you. The problem isn't on his end, it's it's that we make excuses. We put things in the way of God's invitation, right? So first, that's the first invitation is to Jesus. And I want you to really ask yourself, what excuses are you making, right? If Sunday morning is you come in and you feel like, I feel so full, and then in the week you just get back into building your kingdom and, and focus on your life, and you're not just saying, Jesus, today is your day, my heart is yours, everything about me, it, my whole life, my time, my energy, every moment of my life is yours, Jesus. Use it how you want. My talents, my gifts, right? God didn't just give us talents and gifts so that we could use them to build our kingdom and build our wealth, right? That's how our culture tells us to operate. But Jesus is saying, you know, he's, he's gifted us for his purposes, and he's inviting you in. Right, so the first invitation is to him. The second invitation is to be this servant, right? Which means which means you will make invitations to people who make excuses. You will make invitations that get refused, and that's painful. Right? Some of you in here, you've tried evangelism, you've tried inviting people to Jesus, and they said no. They made excuses. They didn't want to hear it, so you gave up. But Jesus is inviting you. He's saying, look at this. right? One, he wants us to invite everybody. But when the people who don't come, that we expect to come, he says, go into the streets and the lanes of the city. Go out to where the people who, who aren't church people are at. Right? I, got some, I got a couple of young guys I've invited into church, and, and, um, and uh, they were pretty honest with me. They're like, we like reading the Bible with you, but we don't feel very comfortable in your church. Greatly convicting. Greatly convicting. Unfortunately, we've kind of built like this, this, this middle-class kind of church that's comfy and cozy and in, literally in a place called Country Club. That's the city that we're in. And I'm just like, man, that's convicting to me. All right? It's not that it's overtly evil, but it's like, man, like, what are we building? Where are we going? And if we're here, like, I think this is great. Like, we can get together. We can worship Jesus. But if we're not flooding to the city, if we're not going to the places where people who wouldn't come here are, are we really operating the way Jesus has called us? I mean, I just, it's so plain. It's so clear. And the truth is, is that if you spend a lot of time around, you know, poor, crippled, blind, lame, troubled, marginalized people, You'll realize there's a reason our society pushes them to the fringes. It can be hard. It can be difficult. Right? Last Sunday, for the first time ever, I, uh, you know, we, we got a team. We're just trying to, you know, somebody said to me once, they were like, man, how can we get people to kind of flood Living Hope Church? Because like what God's doing here is so great. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, hey, I want Living Hope Church to be a church that floods the city right, and I think that's who God wants us to be, and, and so we're starting up these ministries, and we got stuff going on, but I'm telling you what, right around you, in your neighborhoods, right, like in your kid's life, as if you have kids, in your friend's life, uh, you know, in your, there are people around you you could just begin to make an invitation to, and they may say no, but Jesus doesn't say, I'll give up. He says, just keep, keep making invites. Like, and what I have found is that as we faithfully make invites, as I faithfully go and, and try to evangelize, uh, what's funny is I, I, you know, I've been more bold sharing the gospel than I've ever been, but most of the people who, who, who have responded positively to the gospel, uh, they're people that I would not ha- have expected. There may be people that I wasn't necessarily in relationship with, but I read this, bi- I read it, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to go anywhere and everywhere, and God just kept opening doors, and, and so last week, um, it's a long story, but it's a crazy story, I ended up, you know I'm, we're, we're now our church is part of uh, some some jail ministry. so we're going and we're preaching the gospel. Uh, and so last week I told you, right, it was the first time we were going, I'm trying to get in there where we got a team of people going because I was nervous because literally like you go to the jail and, and they walk you in and then like the inmates come in and then they lock you in there. And, and so I was like, that's a little intimidating, right? Uh, I don't know how serious the crimes are uh, these guys are committing. You know, maybe they have a thing for beating up biochemists or pastors or something like that, uh, or they really hate the, the combo. And so I'm like, you know, uh, and, and so I go, and, and I'm nervous, and, and honestly, I even said to you, more of me didn't want to go than wanted to go, and I was being honest, right? like I, I, we're, Again, I think in our culture, there can be this pressure, this idea that somehow pastors are superhumans, somehow people who preach are superhumans, but the reality is, we have these treasures in jars of clay. The glory of God is, is what is glorious in us, and we are, are people who are, who are broken, and, and we're being made glorious by God, but like it, Paul said, that when I'm weak, God is strong. And so I went in weakness, and, and very much, it was amazing, because as I'm preaching, I'm like, guys, I really feel like I'm going in weakness, and I was, I was genuinely nervous, and I went, and it went incredible, and it was amazing, and I was convicted, right? I hope you know, like, <laughs> right? part of walking with G, I am regularly, often commit, con- convicted, and I actually find the more bold I am, the more faithful I am, the more convicted I get. It's like as I walk by faith, and I walk by the Spirit, the, the heat of the Spirit in these places, I'm like, I have not been here before, and I know you've been calling me to go places like this. And the Spirit's not like, the Holy Spirit's not like, well, how dare you? You've been completely rejected. The Holy Spirit's like, I've got a better identity than what you have taken. I've got, I've got a better version of a pastor than what you've settled for, Dooski. And I'm like, oof. And, it, and, and here's the truth. God has a better life than what you've built for you. He's got a higher call. But it is fiery you will often, like, to really walk out that, I mean, the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. It says that when we're weak, he's strong. Second Corinthians 1 through 5 is a, is a great, it's a, a great place in the Bible to read, and, and as we go into these places uh, with faith, like what you'll find is, is God, well, it'll be convicting, but you'll see the glory of God, and so I go into this space, and I go into this place, and, and I can immediately, a few things are immediately obvious. One, you know, God has gifted me for speaking the Bible in plain language. Like, like if you want to know something about Jesus, right, he, he, he talks in ways people can understand, and I'm, I'm so devastated, and I'm so heartbroken, because there's this weird like movement towards like these weird, very formal, high church things happening in our culture, happening in our world right now. And, and I'm just like, this is so unlike Jesus, right? He's out here talking about sheep, he's out here talking about sowing seeds, he's out here talking about lost coins. Why is he doing this? He's doing it because he wants people to hear. He wants people to know. So he speaks with simple language, and I want you to know like, the bar has weirdly been set in our culture that you have to be like really articulate, and Jesus is like, the king of glory is out here talking about lost coins. Now, you can do this. You can take simple stories from the Bible and tell people these stories, right? I was just, I was thinking this this morning. I thought, man, as I was praying, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, you are already more equipped for the work Jesus is calling you to because the main work isn't work. It's faith. It's faithfulness. It's saying, Lord, I don't have it. I'm gonna go because I know you do and God will begin to bless you. It's going to your neighbor and inviting them in. You know, there's some neighborhood, there's this like, this house in our neighborhood that, you know, that it's it's a little bit wild and there's some big dogs and so we're we're a little bit nervous that you know let our let our kids just run over there you know and and, and but it's like but at the same time I'm like you know what like God I I, I you know. I don't think there's any particular hazard, but we've just begun, you know, our kids go, they play. We've never really said no other than when it's really late uh, or if they're grounded or something like that. And, and it's just funny because, like, these kids have kind of slowly started to trickle into our yard and, and one of these little girls, like, trickled into our house and, and then, like, we're eating dinner and we're like, oh, hey, why don't you, why don't you have dinner with us? And then uh, she has dinner with us and she's just like, this is amazing, your house is so amazing, I love this place. And I'm, like, perceiving in this little girl and I'm like, man, like, like Jesus sees you and you don't feel seen. You, like, you feel lost and rejected and, and, and I'm thinking man like Lord why have I not had more kids in my neighborhood in my house recently and, and like you know they're just running around neighborhoods looking for families and we got, a house, we got a room full of families and these kids aren't in your homes right and, and here's thing: it's going to go messy it's going to go wrong sometimes stuff's go, not going to work out perfectly uh, I don't know if you've read the Bible recently but it did not go great for Jesus he called one disciple who helped get him killed but he doesn't say whoa 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 be really careful he says, go therefore into every nation, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then he says, James is like, uh, consider a joy when you f- face trials of various kinds. Ministry will go wrong, your invitations will go wrong, stuff will go wrong, you'll have conflict in the church, churches will have issues, people will sin, but we cannot live our lives trying to build a system that never fails. We cannot sit back and wait till we're so trained that we, that we can go and have every answer so we don't fail. That's not who Jesus calls us to be. He calls us to be a people who go in faith, who, who, who know that when I'm weak, he's strong. And the stronger you feel often... And I can tell you what, I, I could speak this way. Like, I, I, when I first became a Christian, you know, I, the first thing I did was, like, I just would tell people what I was reading in the Bible, and then slowly I kind of learned, like, oh, you need more education. Oh, you, I'm not in, I didn't go to seminary. Okay, so then I need to read all the books, and I need to have all the answers, and suddenly the evangelism in my life dried up, because I was trying to equip myself, like, and there's nothing wrong with getting equipped, but the reality is God will equip you when you walk faithfully. The reality is Jesus cast seven demons out of a dude, a legion of demons out of a dude, and then he said, go and tell everyone how merciful God has been. All right? He's not like, hey, go to the seminary, uh, get all the training, oh hey, you need to memorize the, the Torah for me real quick, then go. No, like, I'm like, Jesus, this is irresponsible. And I think that's what our culture would say. And in my mind, it's just a fancy excuse to not show up and to not go. All right? It's just another version. Well, Lord, I, I, I'm not trained, I'm not equipped, well, who am I? You know what, Moses said that to God. You know what God said to Moses? He said, well, who made man's mouth? Who's calling you now? You already have a call. I meet Christians, and they're like, they say to me, they say, Mike, I'm just praying, Like, what's my call? Like, what's my call in life, and what's, what's my gifts? And I'm like, you already got a call, it's Matthew 28. He doesn't put an asterisk there and say, well, except for you know, Deborah, she's not, she's gotta wait for a separate one, right? Except for Matthew, oh, he's got to wait for a second. No, 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 you've got a call. You've got an invitation. You're called to be, first you're called to come to the banquet and feast. That's your, that's your first invitation. Second invitation is to be a servant who goes and invites people and just keeps inviting until people say yes and goes to places maybe you don't think you should go. So I'm in, I'm in this jail and, and I'm preaching the word and it was very obvious that like, I mean, I'm like watching these men. And first of all, I, talk, I, I was talking to them like they're human beings, which I don't think is happening to them. Uh, I'm not talking to them like, you know, they're somehow like a scab on society. I'm talking to them like they're human beings. And, and the reality is, if you know much about anything, like, you gotta realize, you don't end up in a troubled life most of the time because you're just more evil than other people. Certainly, there are some people who have grotesque evil in their lives. But the reality is, for most of these men I'm talking to, their fathers weren't there. For most of the men I'm talking about, the men around them were not men shepherding them Jesus but shepherding them to the self, or shepherding them to harm, or hurting them so badly that you know, they just, they, they're like, this is what it is to be a man. And so here I am, and I, and, I'm, and I spoke new, I'm like, hey listen, Jesus has an invitation to you. He wants to give you a new invitation. And also, I want, like, what was wild about this, is I go in the room, I'm terrified. You knew I was terrified, I was talking about it. Uh, and, I, and again, like, I don't even wanna go into the situation overconfident, I wanna be like, Lord, every time you call me, I, I wanna rely on you. I don't wanna get, I don't wanna get, I don't wanna just reach a, an equilibrium of faith. Right? The moment that becomes comfortable, I need to say, okay, Lord, what does it mean for me to stretch my faith so I walk by faith and not by my own strength? And, but I, got, I get in there and I'm terrified, and I, I gotta tell you this part. So first of all, there was a heckler. I had a heckler, which I don't get hecklers here, thank you, everyone, by the way, for no heckling. Uh, and I uh, appreciate that. Uh, and in my whole history, I, can't, I can think of maybe one or two weird, almost hecklish-like things that have happened in churches uh, that I've been preaching at. Uh, I don't have time for those stories. but uh, So I had a heckler in my first session uh, as I'm preaching in this place, I'm nervous. Uh, Doing this thing, I've done a lot, but I'm terrified to do. And then also, there was a trans person in there who was asking me all kinds of questions about faith and LGBTQ stuff. I'm in a room full of these like tough, like tattooed like guys who, who are living a pretty rough life and then I got a person asking me like the, the, the liberal college question about LGBTQ stuff. And I'm sitting there and it's like, I'm like, you know what I do, I preach the gospel. I said, I said listen, here's the thing. Because it doesn't matter where you find yourself, if, you're, if you consider yourself LGBTQ or not, Jesus has an identity better than anything you could come up for yourself, better than anything you think for yourself, and better than anything the culture has for you. And this is what I said, I said if you come right as you are and you encounter Jesus and you bring all of your mess and all of your sin and all of your brokenness, he will give you a new life and a new identity. And I'm sitting back and I'm thinking, you know how many times someone gets asked that question and they begin to tell you all the theological arguments? We gotta be a people who preach the gospel. Our job is to invite to the banquet. And so I'm saying, hey, right where you're at, listen, I know the Lord of glory. (laughs) And if you come to, if you just, this this is what this person needs, if you just come to Jesus with everything you have, he will show you life and life abundantly. He will heal the brokenness in your heart. And I don't care if you have a socially acceptable identity, he will give you a new one. I, I, I ended up telling these guys, like, you know, I, I had a job before I was a pastor. I quit that job, and I, you know, I took a job as a pastor, but, you know, and, and, and it was funny because I I was hesitant to tell the story. I don't even know how it came up, but I'm, I'm well, you guys know me. I, t- I tell my story probably too much sometimes, but I, I'm telling the story, and, and it was funny because it, like, I could tell they were all like, whoa, like you know, there was a cost to you doing what you do. And I, they, it, was, I, it was like, man, like some very basic Christian things seemed to really resonate with them. I've preached long enough that you can tell when people aren't listening. You can tell when people are ignoring you. You can tell when people are patronizing you. And certainly there were guys in that room patronizing me while I'm talking. But you know what I know? Here's the thing, they could all have been patronizing me. As long as I'm preaching this, I don't care. Because you know what? I know the Lord of glory and what he can do. In fact, if they're all patronizing me, it might be more effective. The point is this, is, is, is your, you know, we, we've got to be a people who, who say yes to the invitation. And we've got to think about this. Are, are, you, are you in the place right now where you're the servant who's saying no? Who's got a million excuses? You're just putting it off. Here's the: thing. It's not about, it, it, it is about a full surrender. It really is. But it's also about saying yes to Jesus. And maybe this week, Maybe this week it's just you know I'm going to say yes I'm going to 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 give my time. You know the no it breaks my heart. It shatters my heart when people say to me, "Mike, I don't have enough time to read my Bible. I don't have enough time to pray." Because you do. And I'm not bold enough to be like, "That just sounds like an excuse." <laughs> but the truth is, you know, we know, right? We just know, and, and here's the thing, if your life is literally just busy, 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 busy all the time, you've got to ask yourself, did God call you to that life? He did not. He called you to him. He's inviting you to him. And what makes me so sad, and this is, I mean, it, it is devastating to me because I look around, we, I think because, like, note also in this passage, the people who have a lot are not interested in Jesus. And you and I, we are people who have a lot which means it's easy to make excuses. It's easy to think that we're, we're, we're in Christ when really we're living a Christian-flavored life, but we're really building a different kingdom. Right? And this is, I mean, this is a hard, hard passage. And actually, Jesus says even harder things here in a minute. Let me, let me, let me just, let me read them. Um, and we'll wrap up soon. But, I mean, just note again, those who have a lot, it's hard. I mean, actually, the Bible even says that. Jesus says, the rich young ruler comes up to him, this rich young guy comes up and he says, how can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, um, "You know, that you know the, do you know the commandments? And he's like, yes, and I've done them, I've lived them all. And, and then Jesus says, go sell everything you have and come follow me. And, he, and it says he had so much stuff and he looked sorrowful and he turned away from Jesus. All right, this note here that says, it says that after they invited all the, the people who had stuff and then they invited all the people from the streets, it says there was still room there was still room. And I just, man, it breaks my heart that there's still room. We just we will turn from the glory of glory and, and, and do our own things. Here's what Jesus says. He goes on here. I'm going to read this and we're going to wrap up. Um, so after he says there's more room, he says, Go with the highways and the hedges. And compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Look out, that's scary, right? What are we putting in the place of God's call, God's invitation? Because he has life that's truly life. He goes, and, and then this next passage says, now great crowds accompanied him. Think about this. Great crowds accompanied him. And he turned to them and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I know when you read this, the very first thought is, he can't really mean that. The great crowds accompanied him and he says this. "Amen." He is a God of boldness. It says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first, down, or first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter a king, another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet he who comes at him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus is calling you to full surrender. All right? we, don't, we don't like this passage. I mean, I, I could just tell you. I know, because I, I, when I read it, I'm still like, oh man. But it's my flesh. It's my flesh that pushes against this. But he's saying, you've got to give it all, every bit. And, and what he will give to us is his life. You know, we sing that song, it's actually in the scriptures, but um, there's songs often say, you know, he turns our ashes into beauty. And, and I think the thing is, we see our ashes as our brokenness and our sin. And Jesus is like, much of what you worship in your life, much of what you live for in your life is actually ashes. But you see it as treasure. But as you give him, even things you think are treasure, he will give you what is life, what is true life. This is the invitation. And finally, he says, Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. If salt just turns into flavorless tiny rocks, it has no purpose. Salt loses its saltiness. Are we Christians who have lost our saltiness? Have we lost the fire? Are we are we just are we just living a Christian flavored life, but it's not it's not full of Christ. It's not full of the Spirit. We've got to ask ourselves this. And finally he ends this chapter by saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I would encourage you to read this chapter on your own. I would encourage you to ask Jesus, hey, what do you have for me today? And I would encourage you to say, Lord, speak to me. And if you're here this morning, the band can come, if you're here this morning and and you're saying, I want to give my life fully to Jesus, like I want you to know, like I hope, I hope that that even as I say this, you don't, it's not that we got to jump a bunch of hurdles, it's that we literally have to give our whole life to Jesus. And as you give your whole life to him, every second, every ounce, every idol, every family member, every relationship you entrust to God, he will bless and turn into glory. But if we cling to anything more than we cling to Jesus, we'll kill it and we'll find death, every corner. And I just encourage you this morning to say yes to Jesus. If you're here and you're in Christ, he's calling you to be a servant who goes and invites people, and invites people until you find people who maybe uh, you wouldn't typically go to, but but the Lord is inviting. And at the end of all this, I I do also want to say is that it's not like the success that you have, like it's not about, you know, going, like I said, even if I preached last week and I'm completely being patronized, it's not about how well they hear me. It's about me going when Jesus calls me. Does that make sense? It's not about how successful you are at evangelizing. It's about you going when he calls you. It's not about, uh, it's not about like, you know, you, you seeing things and being like, man, like I really did a lot of great things for God. It's about you going where he calls you, doing what he tells you to do. Uh, and so that would be my invitation. And as you do that, he will bless your life. He will show you his glory. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do just ask this morning you would bless us. Lord, as we just read your word this morning, I I pray that it would go deep to our souls. That that, that Father, this is your word to us. This is your revelation to us. There are things in here that are clear, that are obvious. Um, It's your word. And Lord, I pray that it would just, it would go deep into our souls, that you would create in us a burning desire to say we're all in, that Lord, every bit of our lives, we would say, Lord, what do you want to do with this time? God, who do you want me to invite? Who do you want me to invite into my life? Who do you want me to invite into your kingdom? And Father, when you call us to go, we would go. What you call us to do, we would do. What you call us to lay down, we would lay down. And Father, I ask that you would just uh, stir us, God, to break those excuses in our lives, to knock down those barriers, Uh, God, to really ask ourselves, am I living for God's kingdom or am I living for mine? Am I building my own kingdom? And and Father, I pray that we would just become a people of radical uh, sacrifice, radical generosity of our time, our energy, uh, our our lifestyle, our kingdoms, uh, for the sake of living the life that's truly life. The life that when we get to, we say, where else would I go? And who else would I follow? And what else would I live for? Jesus, I pray you do all these things in your name. Only you can do them. In your name we pray. Amen.